Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. Well, welcome. I am uh, Stephen Daniel. Uh, I'm the English campus pastor. Yeah. Um, all right. We are in a series called, I believe it's called The Lie. The, I don't know what it's called. The lies we believe, the life we live. Um, today we're going to be looking at insecurities. So let's open up by reading the scripture real quick. It's found in Judges. And we're going to be looking at the story of Gideon. Judges chapter 6, verse 11. Let me breathe. Insecurities. I'm right here doing it. All right, let's get it. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Ophrah, Ophrah, whatever it says, you know what it says, which belonged to Joash and the, uh, of the clan of Ebenezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was thrusting wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with me, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say they brought us out of Egypt? Um, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, I apologize. But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. Let's pray. Father, speak to us today from your word. Reveal to us the truth that we can apply to our life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I work with kids. I work with youth. I've been working with a lot of different ages. I even have kids of my own. And one thing that I know kids love to do, if you're a parent, you understand this, kids love to play hide-and-seek. But you got to remember when the kids were young and cute, right? That four or five-year-old age. When you're playing hide-and-seek, right, you say, okay, Ella, you go hide. I'll count to ten and I'll come find you. Sure enough, you're you hiding out. You count out loud, ten, nine, eight. So whatever room you're in, you're like, all right, I know where she's going to go, right? So if it's the bedroom, all right, ready or not, here I've come. You go to the bedroom. What will you find on top of the bed? A big old lump. <laughs> right? The kids are giggling. <laughs> right? As you go in the room, you got to pretend like you can't see this. I wonder where Ella is. <laughs> what is this lump? I just need to flatten this lump out in the bed. And then she goes, surprise! Right? What I'm trying to get at is kids are horrible hiders. <laughs> kids are, naturally. No matter what, that age brain, they're horrible hiders. But I also work with youth. And we've done hide-and-seek where the young adults go hide at camp. And they are like, you think they're professional hide-and-seekers, right? <laughs> These guys are hiding off on the roof in, in complete black. They're in the woods in camouflage outfits. They're, I mean, they're getting in trash cans. These guys are ridiculous. And what I come to find out is that while kids are horrible hiders, we as adults are great hiders. And not just when it comes to games. We also hide in life. We are hiding in life, and I, I'm trying to figure this out. Why is it that I'm willing to put a gift that I know God has given me and hide it? Why is it 
that I know God has called me to do certain things. I know God has given me this unique talent, and I'm willing to hide it. And then I see other people who don't have those talents. They're willing to get on stage and don't care what people say. (laughs) Why is it? Today we're going to look at Gideon. We're going to see what happened in Gideon's life and what brought him out of his hiding. Because Gideon goes from this man who's hiding away in life to this great judge of Israel, killing thousands of people. They're wanting to make him king over all the land. He said, nope, I'm not king. God is king. That's the power. That's the strength that Gideon ends up walking in. But he had to get there because he started off in hiding. So I want to read this article to you found in um, WebMD, which if it's on the Internet, it must be true, right? Um, It says this. It describes insecurity to us. It says insecurity is a feeling of inadequacy not being good enough, and uncertainty. It produces anxiety about your goals, relationships, and abilities to have, I mean, to handle certain situations. Everybody deals with insecurity from time to time. Everybody deals with insecurity from time to time. The funny thing is, I know what you're looking at me, and you're like, man, Pastor Stephen, you are so good looking, I bet you have never dealt with insecurity. I know you're thinking that, Miss Carolyn. yes. I have never dealt with insecurities. You are, you will be absolutely wrong. When I was a teenager, me and my brother would often go to the mall. This was back when teenagers went to the mall. Actually, this was back when teenagers left their room. This whole, you're like, I know you guys are like, people do that? Yes. They actually leave the house, right? So we're in middle school, and the goal of a middle school boy who's not saved is to hit on girls. I just wanna, I'm not, we're not gonna pretend like we've been saved our whole life. Like, I stopped hitting on girls when I got married. That was, and I was like 50. You get what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm just saying, men, well, I don't know why we like to pretend. But we're not going to stay there, all right? But middle school boy, my goal was to go to the mall to hit on girls. That's what me and my brother talk about. That's what we arrange with our friends. We're going to go to the mall. We're going to hit on girls. Gonna, the person who get the most number wins. The thing was, I was so insecure I wouldn't go to the mall, which I went to the mall all the time, unless I had to buy something. My brother would beg me to go to the mall because I knew the goal was to hit on girls, but I was too afraid to hit on girls. The first girl I ever asked, me, asked out was my wife. I'm telling you, the, we had the game plan. I knew that if I went, I'm not, I didn't think I was ugly. My mama told me I look good. <laughs> you better ask somebody, right? It wasn't that. In my head... I was not worth, I was not man enough, I was not strong enough, I was not thin enough to hit on a girl to get her number. And so at the end of the day, we always count them up. And who got the most numbers? Michael, that's my younger brother, he was an athlete, whatever, loser, whatever. (laughs) And I got zero. So I'm not preaching something to you guys that I haven't experienced. I'm sharing with you guys real life stuff. We all deal with insecurities. Let's look at Gideon. Oh, my goodness. I'm trying to use an iPad, and I have no idea. Okay, there we go. All right. Let's look at Gideon. We find out that Gideon was in hiding. We see this in, in uh, Judges 6, 11b. Gideon, son of Joash, 
was thrusting wheat at the bottom of the wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. Why was he doing it? First of all, if you don't know, thrusting wheat usually happens on a mountaintop, on the top of a hill, where the air can catch it so it can separate the wheat from the chaff or whatever that's called. I'm not a farmer, you know, I'm from the hood, so we don't separate wheat from chaff, we, you know. If you're a farmer, you know what I'm talking Pass around, you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about, right? But the wine press was hitting, I mean, it was a little bit lower, it was underneath a tree, usually in the valley, so that the wines could run down, right? The, the wine can run down. So why was he in hiding? We know this if you read earlier in the chapter, in verse 6, we find out that Israel was under a huge attack. Anytime there was harvest time, it will say these, the neighboring areas will come jump in and they will attack them. They will take their land. I mean, they will take all their, their, their harvest. They will destroy their harvest, leave them so they are on the, the, the verge of starvation. So they learned to hide in caves. They learned to hide in wine press. They learned to hide wherever they could because of an attack. Why else was Gideon hiding? We find out that Gideon was hiding because he was insecure. As we look at this, he says this in another verse. I believe it's verse 15. Gideon says, I'm the lace of my brothers, right? My clan is the weakest in all of the tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. Gideon was in hiding because he also believed a lie about himself. Who told him he was the weak, the, the weakest of the clans? He was the least of all his brothers. Who told you that? I think about the same thing happened in the book of uh, Genesis. Jesus, God showed up on the scene after they had sinned, and God said, who told you you were naked? Who told you you weren't good enough? Stephen, who told you you weren't man enough to get a woman's number? You know what I'm talking about? Who told you you weren't good enough to be a teacher? Who told you you weren't good enough to be a pastor? Who told you you weren't good enough to be a dad, a husband, a wife, a homemaker, a chef, to start your own business, to play football? I could tell you if you're not good enough to play football. I just want to point that out. Right? Some people are not good enough. But who told you you're not good enough? Gideon was dealing with two things. They were under attack, and he believed a lie. This is a great recipe to produce some insecurity that puts you in hiding. The reason many of us here put our gifts in hiding is because we experienced an attack when we were young. I don't know what that attack looked like. It could be somebody told you, you're not that smart. Somebody, a loved one, told you, like my mama told me, you're fat. She may not even said those words, but my brain believed it. You get, our brain plays tricks on us. Somebody could not even say these words, but if you believe it happened, it happened to you. So you create a whole scenario. I'm pausing. I want to give you the story. You guys know who Will Smith is. If you don't, the guy to smack the guy. Just back that up, all right? So Will Smith created a scenario. If you read his book, The Power of Will, or whatever the title was, Will Smith did not go swimming because he believed when he was younger, he was swimming one day and he started to drown and somebody had to save him. His mother had the conversation with him later on in life. He was probably in his 40s. And she says, Will, Willyard, that never happened. You were never swimming and I had to rescue you from drowning. The point is, our brain creates scenarios. So it could be a lie that somebody told you, that you experience. It could be something that your brain created because of the scenario. But when you get an attack and you believe the lie, it's a recipe for insecurity in your own life. That's why Gideon was in hiding. That's why you have hid your gift from the Lord. You refuse to say, I'm not going to sing 
in front of anyone. I'm not going to pray in front of anyone. I'm not going to start this new job. I'm not going to start this new company because I'm afraid that people will reject me, that I'm going to fail. So what if you fail? The righteous man follows seven times and he do what? He gets back up. So what if you, if you get rejected? I admire my brother for all the people he got rejected by. You got to think, you got to let that register, right? Yeah, Mike got rejected by tons of people. But as Michael Jordan says, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. You are missing out on life because you have chosen to hide the gift that God has placed in you. And I'm here to tell you guys, God wants you to come out of hiding. God wants you to stop hiding your gift away because we're the body. We're here to work together. And if your gift isn't hiding, that means our body is incomplete. If your gift isn't hiding, our body is not accomplishing all that God has for us to accomplish. And it doesn't have to just be in this church. It's in this neighborhood. It's in this state. It's in this country. It's in this world. We all have different callings and different gifts. But if you hide it away, you have already let the enemy win. Today, we're going to stop letting the enemy win. I am so sick of the enemy winning. I'm so sick of me believing a lie because he knows. I'm like, why would the enemy keep telling me the same lie over and over again? Because he knows there's something important God wants me to do. Think about it. What attack have you experienced? What lie have you believed? And why does it keep coming up when something great God has called you to do? Like when you're willing, you're almost at the verge. You know how many times I almost started going back to college? Then I believed the lie again that I'm not smart enough to complete college? I can't tell you. Over my last... I'm 42. I'm, not, I'm, I'm past those days now. But you understand, it was a period of over 20 years after I graduated high school that I was like, I should go back. No, I don't want to go back. I even, I even got my transcripts. I should go. Uh, I don't want to. The fear kept kicking in to keep me from going back to college. Stop letting the enemy win. He's working overtime to keep you in your hole because he knows what he has planned for you. Amen. Learn that right now. He's working overtime because he knows what he has planned for you. Tyler Anderson, learn that right now. Don't let the enemy win. Can we agree we're not going to let the enemy win? Yeah. Amen. I'm not going to keep there. I, I was talking to you, Tyler. This is one. All right. We're not going to let the enemy win. All right. So how do we not let the enemy win? How do we overcome our insecurities? We look right in the word. I love, I love the Bible. If you just take time to stack, like, not just read it over, but just take time to put things in frame of thought, like just meditate on it, you'll be surprised what it says. It shocks me every time. All right. So here's what we need to do. Baby step number one. We need to switch. We need to believe the truth. The very first thing that God told Gideon, the very first words he spoke to Gideon, I'm dropping down, it says this in, in Judges Chapter 6, verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. We need to believe the truth. The first word God spoke to him was that you're a mighty hero. The Lord is with you. He wanted to cancel out the lie that Gideon had been leaving about himself. Gideon believed he was the weakest. He was, he was nothing. God was like, no, 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 you're a mighty hero. Understand, God, Jesus showed up on the scene and he said, You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. 
If you want to get out of your hole, begin to replace the lie that you've believed about your life and replace it with God's truth. The truth is the only thing that's going to set you free. If you believe that you are fat, I'm fat. I'm just like, what do I, how do I counteract that with the word? Like, does it say, I am skinny in the name of Jesus? I don't know. Exercise. I don't know. I'm, you get what I'm saying? I'm, if you believe you're dumb, look at God's word. Did he, will God create anyone that's dumb? Everything he created, he looked at it and he said, it is good. So therefore, you are good. He wouldn't create you that way. Yes, your attack. Yes, the lie says those things. But you need to counteract that with the word. You need to get God's word for your situation. And the only person that's true, Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Let me wipe off my sweat. Because I am fat. I'm not believing that truth. I am skinny in the name of Jesus. Here we go. We got to cancel that, you know. All right. <laughs> Once you see something else he said, it was another truth he spoke to him, right? In uh, verse 14, the Lord told him this. This is the truth, right? The Lord said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Mennonites. I am sending you. He didn't say, it, uh, Gideon, I need you to change the strength that you have. I need you to change your weakness to my strength. He said, go in the strength you have. He told Gideon, you're enough. Some of you guys, I just shook you at your core, right? I'm telling you, God is telling you, go in the strength you have. You're enough. You don't need to change anything right now. All he needs is a willing heart. All he needs is somebody that says, yes, Lord, I will do it. I'm standing here on stage because I said, yes, Lord, I would do it. Pearl will tell you, my hands were freezing when we were sitting down because I'm nervous. But I said, yes, Lord, I will do it. He's not looking for you to change anything. Bring all of you. If you're crazy, bring your crazy. You get what I'm saying? Bring all of you to the equation. God said, Gideon, go with the strength you have. You're enough. You are enough. You are enough to be a good dad. I don't care if you didn't get an example of a good dad when you was younger. You are enough to be a good mom. I don't care if you didn't get a good example of a mom when you was younger. You're enough to be a teacher. I don't care if you feel like you're unqualified to get, be a teacher. You're enough to be a, I was going to say a doctor. You better go to school to get a doctor. <laughs> Let's back that up. I don't want a good enough doctor. I just want to point that out. But that's a whole other story. We're not going there, right? You are enough. He doesn't ask you to change. I love God for that. Because if he if required me to change, I'm like, God, I don't know if I can put a three-piece suit on. Like, I'm, I don't know if I can speak all prim and proper. Or I don't know if I can be all country. Looking down at me. He didn't tell me. He didn't tell me. I need to put the pigs in the blank. You got to put the pigs in the blank before you go out the door. I'm like, I don't even know what that means, God. He didn't tell me I need to be enough. He said, Stephen Cornelius Peter Daniel. Yes, Stephen Cornelius Peter Daniel. You better not mess with my name. Those are biblical Jesus, Holy Ghost names. You are enough. God is telling you the truth is you are enough. Go in the strength you have. Stop waiting. Stop waiting for man's approval. Stop waiting for your mom and dad to tell you it's okay. Stop waiting for that, that, that door to kick, get kicked wide open so you can run through it. You are enough to start right now. If you don't believe me, you guys heard Jay last week. That man is crazy. He is enough. 
and God has used him in all his craziness, then he can use you. You are enough. Okay. I was going to pick on some Alabama fans. I'll pray that you guys are not enough for the rest of the season. That's all I want to say. Can I, Georgia, can I get a Georgia amen? amen? All right. All right. So, first step, I need you to, in order to overcome your insecurities, to get out your hole, I need you to believe the truth. Find the word. It's 66 bug books in the Bible. Find somewhere that God speaks to your unique situation and come back that with the lie that you've been leaving. Believe the truth. Second thing God did. How many of you guys know this is our battlefield? This is a crazy, crazy thing. Do you know I create scenarios. I'm, I'm the filler in our household. My wife's the more she can deal with it and get over it. I create scenarios of my wife not loving me in my head. No, y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. The women, some of the people in the room is like, I know what you're talking about. Like, like, I create things. If Pearl walks past me and doesn't say, like, hi, I'm like, oh, she's mad at me. What did I do? I don't even know what I did. I was, I, maybe I didn't say hi enough to her. Maybe I didn't, I didn't rub her back rightly, right? In my head, I'm the feeler. I, don't look at me. I know, man, you're like, that's stupid. I can't help it. I was created like this. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, coach. Right? Our mind is our battlefield. That's why Paul said that we need to be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of our mind. Our mind is our battlefield. So what, what God did when he showed up, he said, let me help you out here. Look at this. Gideon, um, uh, he talked to Gideon in verse 6, not verse 6, verse 21b. Um, this is after uh, he was having a conversation. I can't remember what was going on. Uh, but the angel of the Lord appeared and um, it says, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. Oh, here's what happened. Gideon said, don't go nowhere. I know you called me to, to uh, rescue Israel. So he went and got a sacrifice. He was like, I'm going to cook up some sacrifice. He brought the sacrifice better back, back together. The angel of the Lord said, all right, I want you to lay it down like this. The angel touched it. The fire consumed the sacrifice. And immediately the angel of the Lord disappeared. This is what we pick up. When Gideon realized the angel of the Lord, uh, it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, Oh, sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I'm do- Hold on. I want you to think about your most dramatic teenager who they realize they messed up, right? Oh, sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I have seen the face of the Lord. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. I was, I was putting myself in those shoes with my brain. What he, at this moment, he was freaking out. He was literally freaking out because the rule was if you saw the Lord face to face, you would die. So he got so dramatic, he got on his knees. Oh, Jesus! I'm doomed! Kill me now! <laughs> right? He was so dramatic. And God was like, hold on. <sighs> Calm down. He even tells him, it's going to be all right. Some of you guys need to know that. It's going to be all right. He told him, it is all right. The Lord replied, do not be afraid. You will not die. He was giving him peace. It even tells us that Gideon built an altar to the Lord. There and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. God gave him peace to pass his all understanding, to control his mind and his heart because Gideon was freaking out. Some of you guys need the peace of God because your mind is racing. 
Your mind is creating scenarios. You are battling your mind between the enemy, the lie that you believe in the Lord. And your mind's like, I don't know what to do. What should I do? Should I go this way? Should I go that way? Even when it comes to getting the ice cream. Okay, hold on. As a man, this is my full man moment. One of the things that drive me insane is when I get in the car with my wife and it's a date night and I say, baby, what do you want to eat? These are those moments where your mind is battling. Baby, what do you want to eat? I don't know. Whatever you want to eat. Let's get Taco Bell. I don't want no Taco Bell. Let's get Burger King. I don't want Burger King. Let's go to Longhorn. Oh, I'm not feeling Longhorn. What are you feeling? Uh, okay, I'm stopped throwing out suggestions by now because I'm sick of it. You just, I will drive around the city until we land somewhere. If you say no, we'll pull away, right? So this is what our brain does. Our brain can't make easy decisions because we're so worried about what everybody else thinks. We know what the Lord told us, but we're so worried. What are the ramifications of this decision? What are they going to think? What will they say? If they saw me dressed like that, stop worrying about other people. I think the only person that we really need to worry about is what God says. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Our brain is balanced, so God has to give us his peace. So sometimes in your life, when you're struggling to try to get out of your insecurity, you need the peace of God that passes all understanding. You need a peace of God to control your heart and your mind. You need his peace to be with you so you can say, you know what? I know that I'm struggling with this, but thank you, God. I have your peace so I can make this decision with ease. It seems like it's a big deal, but God, with your peace, I'm going to walk through this door. And if you have never experienced the peace of God to control your heart and mind, I'm telling you, you haven't lived. To be, to having to choose between making Thousands of dollars to making hundreds of dollars with God peace is a huge deal. Relocating your family when you have the peace of the God is so much easier than relocating your family. You don't have that peace. Making a switch in a job is so much easier when you have the peace of God. Say, you know what? I don't know what it is, but God told me to do this. I believe him. I have the peace of God. I'm walking through this. Losing a loved one is so much easier. When you have the peace of God, I'm not belittling the situation. It just makes a difference. Why y'all laughing? Y'all not giving me peace right now. Those are students. Don't pay them no attention. They need Jesus. Right? And baby step number three. Baby step number three. I think some of us, we're going to need to get rid of our sin. We're going to need to get rid of our sin. I want you to see what, what, what the Lord told uh, Gideon next. Because these are all things he said right after each other. First one was, you are a mighty warrior. Then he told him, you're enough. Right? Go in the strength you have. Then he told him, here, calm down. It's going to be okay. I'm going to give you my peace. You're good. The next one he told him was, get rid of your sin. This is what he said. The night the Lord said to Gideon, Oh, that night, the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd, one that is seven years old, put on your father's altar to Baal, cut down the Asherah, you know how to say it, pole standing beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord, your God, here on this hilltop sanctuary. 
Line the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar, using as fuel the wood from the Asherah pole you cut down. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord commanded. But he did it all at night because he was afraid of other members of his family, his father's household, and the people in the town. There's a couple things in this story. One, God told him to get rid of the sin. If there's sin in your camp, you need to get rid of it. Men, women, please hear me out. Sin is simply missing the mark. One verse says, if you know what you shouldn't do and you do it, that's sin. We remind the students all the time, if there's sin in your life, it's time for you to get rid of. And here's why. Do you know what happens when we sin? We open the door, we invite sin in. Just to give you a clear picture. When you sin, it's like having an open house, right? You're opening a meal. You, you prepare the table. You said, hey, Satan, come on in. Come sit at the table with me. You could be my guest. He's an unwanted guest, but he's still a guest because you invited him in. The thing is, you can't evict him. You can't get rid of him. He's that, he's that, that in-law that comes and stays for a little bit longer than you want him to. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? He's that... That person, your brother, your sister that's struggling, you ask them, hey, you come live with me for a little bit. I'm going to give you a couple weeks to get off your feet. It's been 17 years. <laughs> He's that 20-something-year-old student, I mean, yeah, 20-something-year-old child that you thought they were gone, and they show back up, eating your food, sleeping in your house, and fussing at you. Unwanted guests. So when you sin, you have an unwanted guest in your household. And the thing is, you have one voice speaking to you that is the Lord, and you have this other guest that's speaking to you that's a lie. Sinning is spending more time with that other guest, expecting to believe the, the God, but you're actually listening to this guest the whole time. It's going to be a hard fight. The Lord was telling Gideon, if you don't get rid of these things, it's going to make it hard for me to talk to you and for you to clearly understand the assignment. I need you to get rid of sin. I don't know what your sin is, but get rid of sin. I don't know the statistic, but I was blown away to find out, and I'm going to say these words, so hear me out. I was blown away to find out how many men and women in churches struggle with pornography. It's not 50. It's not 60. I want to say it was 70 to 80% of men and women in churches. Blown away. Not because it's not an issue, but I thought we experienced more freedom than that. But we need to take the bull by the horn and kick that buddy out. If you ever seen Fresh Prince of Belair, they kicked out that uh, jazz all the time. You need to take enemy and kick him out. Ah! Kicking and screaming, right? You need to get him out your house. Treat him like an Alabama fan. You are not welcome here. <laughs> Whatever you need to do, get rid of them, Right? If you're not going to let a Tennessee fan in your house, don't let enemy in your house. I don't know what that looks like. You let everything out. (laughs) There's issues in your house. We're praying for you guys, right? You let everything else in. You can't let this one in. If If you follow the scriptures, if you look further down the text, you will find out that when the Spirit of the Lord came over Gideon, was only after he actually got rid of the sin in the house. A couple scriptures later, it says the spirit of the Lord came over Gideon and empowered him. 
to do whatever God wanted him to do, whatever that looks like. If you don't get rid of the sin, you're not, I repeat, you're not going to be able to come out of your insecurities fully. And here's the deal. Gideon didn't just have to get rid of the sin alone. He got 10 guys with him. He did it under the cover of night because he was afraid. I don't know what you need to do to get rid of your sin. Maybe you need to get surrounded by some guys. Don't be ashamed. We need help. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. We need help. Get some people around you. If you got to do it in secret, you go up to them. Psst, I need your help. Look around. He did it in the cover night. Didn't mean he was not doing what God's called him to do. Even if you do it when you're afraid, you can still do it. That's the key. Just do it. I love Nike. I don't, lo- I don't want to, like I praise Nike. If they want to give me a scholarship or give me some free items, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind. That's all I'm trying to say. But their logo was, their slogan was, just do it. Just do it. If you need people, that's why we're here as a church. We're going to help you to overcome your insecurities. And maybe you don't even realize the sin that you have. Because you, you never even understood that God said that that's a sin to me. That's an offense to me. I'm going to tell you what a sin is one more time. If you do anything that you know you shouldn't do, and you do it, it's a sin. If you're taking money, it's a sin. If you're lying, it's a sin. If you're cheating, it's a sin. If you're cheating on your taxes, it's a sin. You add another extra person on your... This speaks more to my people. You got an extra person on your... Jesus, you know what I'm talking about. Me and you go way back, right? Right? Got get a little bit more money from the government, you added an extra person, right? Cheating on your taxes. I know you're like, I would never. Well, some people would. I just want to point that out, right? It's a sin. It's a sin for you. If you go out and God says, you probably shouldn't drink anymore, and you go out and drink, that's a sin. I'm not saying drinking is a sin. I'm saying what's for you when God told you to not to do it. It's a sin. I'm going to call up uh, Bruce, Mr. Bruce. I want you to understand this. If you're going to overcome your insecurities, you're going to need to go down the same line that Gideon did. And if you read on from the story, Gideon still struggled with insecurities. He didn't get it right. He asked God to, to wet a fleece, right? And then... With doing that, God had to give him uh, all these thousands of people. And then God dwindled it down. He said, I'm going to give you the thousand people to get you to this place, get you to this area. But then I'm going to scare you again because I'm going to take away those thousands of people and it's only going to be 300. And then when he said, now take those 300 and go take over the land, Gideon was like, oh, this is crazy. God knew he was thinking it was crazy because God said, if you're afraid, go up in the middle of the night and hear what they're saying. Gideon did not live without fear. He did not live without his insecurities. What he did, he learned to master his insecurities, to replace the insecurities with what God's truth was. He ended up placing up and get the peace of God to control his heart and his mind. He ended up saying, God, you got me. You said that I'm enough so I can do this. He ended up going in the strength of the Lord only because he realized who God called him to be. Today, while we're here, I think it's time for us to realize what God called us to be. As a church, as Cornerstone Church members, it is time for us to take back our land for the Lord. It is time for us to get outside of our insecurities and begin to walk fully in his calling. It's not going to be easy, but it's worth it. It is so worth it. 
It's so worth it to know that God is using you. It's so worth it to know that you heard from God clearly and then you walked in and God gave you the results that he wanted. It's so worth it to know to walk in the freedom that comes with serving the Lord and seeing the life change. That's what we need you guys for. We need your gifts, your talents. We need you to go in everything that God has given you so that Cornerstone Church can change this world. It's not just about Pastor Jody. He's not that big of a figure. That's so bad. He's not here, so I can do that. (laughs) Sorry. It's not just about you guys coming to here on Sunday. It's about you going and taking the world where you are. So, if that message spoke to you, if you do me a favor, just bow your head and close your eyes. If there was something in that message the Lord wanted to do in your life, maybe it's baby step number one. You got to replace the lie with the truth. And God's like, I'm going to speak truth to your life. You are more than enough. You are enough to accomplish everything I told you to accomplish. You are strong. If it's baby step number two, you need to receive his peace. Your mind has been racing. You're one of those people like Ava. Your mind races constantly. You just need to receive that peace. Take upon the Lord. He said that he will give you his peace. And it will control your heart, your mind. Maybe it's baby step number three. You need to get rid of your sin. Get rid of your sin. It's not easy. But have the courage to do it. And it's a process. Some people it happens overnight like that. Some people it takes season. But you say, I'm not going to stop until I overcome this sin. Then you will do it. Get the help you need. If one of those things spoke to you, I just want to pray for you guys. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for every man woman, boy, girl in this room. I thank you, Lord, that Holy Spirit, there was something you spoke to their hearts. You want to bring us out of our hole so that we can be empowered to be used fully by you. I thank you for doing that work. Let us be courageous enough to do whatever we need to do so that we can be fully used by you. I thank you, Lord, for each person here today for working in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Before we close, I'm a, before I call Gary up, I just want to say this one thing. If you don't know this, Jesus loves you. He loves each and every one of us. There's not a person alive that God does not love. And he was willing enough to come and die for each and every one of us. So if you're here and you want to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, we're going to make it easy for you. Gary's going to come up. He's going to call the prayer team forward. And if you're there, I just want you to be bold enough to come down to the prayer team and let them pray with you. This is not about me. It's not about anybody here. It's about your life. So if you want to receive Jesus as your personal Lord Savior, accepting the fact that he died for you, he rose again, and he will be back. He will come back one day. Then you can do that. Gary, would you come forward? See you guys. Thank you, Pastor. It's a good word today. Our prayer team, if you guys are going to come up front here, like you said, if you've 
you've accepted Jesus as your Savior or recommitted your life, come up and tell one of these folks. They'd love to pray with you as well. I want to remind you a couple of things before you go about giving. There are a lot of different ways. We don't pass a plate here at Cornerstone, but you can give online. You can text to give. There's offering boxes in the back doors as you leave. You can drop your offering in there as well. just want to remind you of the, um, the Thanksgiving uh, meal that we provide to all the first responders comes out of our outreach budget. So every time you guys give, uh, we use that money to, to bless those people as well. Um, Catch the Vision is after church today if you haven't signed up for that. Uh, Catch the Vision is we do it once a month, and it kind of talks about what Cornerstone is. We tell you how we're set up and how you can become a part of it. So that's really, really important. Um, before you go, I just want to share one thing because my wife said you better share this. That shows you have to keep telling everybody. But um, one day this is going to be a funny story, but I'll tell you, uh, Tuesday night, um, my grandson and I, three-year-old grandson, we were out at the curb because he wanted to see all the people in costumes walking up and down the street. And so my wife was out there, and she walks back in the house, and all of a sudden I hear screaming, real loud, high-pitched screaming. And I thought, man, my neighbor must have one of those scream machines. <laughs> and so I'm standing out there, and I tell him, boy, that's really loud, isn't it? And so this goes on for probably about 30 seconds, I hear this screaming. Well, then my little grandson comes back out and says, you better come with me. So I go into the garage, and there's my wife laying flat out on the cement floor. And me being the perceptive person that I am, say, what are you doing? <laughs> like if somebody would just be laying face down on your garage floor. Um, so as I roll her over and see the blood running down her face, she says, I tripped. And just at that time, I look behind me, and there's my shoe. The shoe that will live in infamy. <laughs> so there's a verse that Paul has in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. So uh, husbands, just make sure you uh, clear the path uh, for your wife this week. Don't put a stumbling block in her way. Um, Someday we're going to laugh about this, but after an emergency room visit, CT scans and x-rays, she's fine. Uh, but as of this week, it's still not funny. So <laughs> uh, if you'd stand up, we're going to send Joe with the Lord's blessing out of numbers. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you, give you his peace. Have a great week. See you next Sunday. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.